a welcome card and we'll um, set that up for you. Uh, yeah, over to you, Sean. So today, um, Caitlin Delaney and Jacob Stevens are getting married down the Gold Coast. Yeah, so I, it'd be nice to join together in prayer for them. And um, I just want to uh, pray, Lord, you weave us together in our mother's womb and you're weaving this relationship together into a marriage, Lord. And we just thank you for um, marriage. Of, um, and I just say, Lord, um, release your Holy Spirit over the day. Um, protect those families, the Stevens families and the Delaney families and those that are travelling um, from far and wide to get there today uh, in the rain. Um, may they all be safe, Lord. May your love and your graciousness and your Holy Spirit um, be released today throughout the, um, the service and over this community as we join together to give them support and love and uh, to walk with them in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'd like to call up uh, Neil MacArthur to um, teach today. And thankfully the rain has died down. <laughs> Build him up. Mm, let, me, let us pray for Neil. Lord, thank you for Neil. Thank you for his love for the church and his love for your family. Bless him, Lord, in your Holy Spirit. Release your Holy Spirit on his words today. Let us have open minds and hearts so as you draw us into living our lives as Jesus did. And we bless this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is this on? This should be on. If it doesn't get to work, well, it's working. it should be working. Thank you, Sean and Sharon. And um, Sylvia met me at the the front and she said um you know if there's more people on stage than there are in the audience we'll have to call this off <laughs> so there's only me so all right just give me a second while i get warmed up Okay, today uh, I'm going to talk about one of my favourite subjects, if we want to get that PowerPoint ready, and it's covenants. Yes, covenants. You've heard me probably talk about this before, um, but I love talking about them, and because I, I really believe that when you understand covenants, the Bible kind of changes from these fragmented stories um, to one, and it to one big story with a framework that works around covenants. So covenants give the scripture a real framework because we can often get confused when covenants start, when covenants finish, and it creates confusion and we kind of mix them. You know. So it, today's going to be kind of like an adventure. We're going on a treasure hunt. And um, treasure comes in all sizes. So let's imagine that uh, you found an Oscar. 
okay? Now, Oscars are made out of gold, right? So they're, they're worth something, and they're given to movie actors that are really good actors. And if you find that, say, it was buried in the desert for 2,000 years, it becomes more valuable because it's a hidden treasure. Okay, so it's not just the value of the gold anymore. It's got an extra value. But say that Oscar was given to someone like Robert De Niro, Marlon Brando, then it creates a connection. Okay, and that connection makes it even more valuable. Okay, because you could own some real treasure. Okay, so the value increases because of connection. Now, there's a scripture, okay, that I think is a treasure. And I think it's been buried in the desert, okay, but we don't know the value of it yet. But when we see its connection, who it's connected to, how it's connected, it increases its value. And this is that scripture, Hebrews 7, 12. When the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. Doesn't make a lot of sense on face value, okay? But I hope that today, as we look at this, it will unpack and you'll see the treasure of what it is. So today's sermon, I've titled Melchizedek Jones and the Temple is Doomed. Okay? So in order to get you in the mood, and also to help you remember my sermon when you go home, um, I've got a little video to show you. So let's play that video. All right, so for those online or those that couldn't see the video, you might have to use the imagination. That was not Indiana Jones, by the way, okay? But there's this picture of this character, Indiana Jones-like, who finds treasure inside a temple, okay? And the stone rolls and chases him out. But the temple is doomed. The temple is getting destroyed. But this time, the stone, it breaks out of the temple, 
and it chases him down the street, past the Sphinx, past the Eiffel Tower or whatever it was. And it follows him and even, he even turns the corner and it still keeps following him and then it eventually kills him. You see, I think this is a great metaphor for the law and covenant of the law. The stone, the boulder, is symbolic of the law. You see, the law was inside the temple. The temple gets destroyed, okay, but the law somehow escaped and it's going to follow you until it crushes you. Now, be patient, be patient. So we get this scripture, 2 Corinthians 7. Paul calls the law the ministry of death, just like that boulder. If the ministry in death engraved in letters on stone, okay, picture that boulder, that's that stone. Or it says, he has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death. The old way, it goes on, with laws etched in stone led to death. Okay, now the old covenant, Moses, it came with glory. Okay, but that glory, it faded. And that glory was good. It was designed to help Israel. Okay, it was designed to take a nation of slaves into learning the way of love. But eventually, they took the law and made it a yoke around people's necks. And this is why Jesus came to change the old pattern and the law. So we go back to our treasure verse, okay? We need to look at some questions to open up the verse. When the priesthood is changed, the law must also be changed. So we need to look at some questions. First one, what is the priesthood he's talking about? Second one, what is the law he's talking about? And the last one, how are the law and the priesthood connected? And that's what we're going to look at today. So let's start with Matthew 12. David entered the house of God and broke the law by eating the consecrated bread. And the priests also work on the Sabbath, which desecrates the Sabbath. But I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. Jesus says something greater than the temple is here. What does this mean? What does this mean? So Jesus tells a story about David breaking the law. And the priests, in their service to follow the law, break the law as well by desecrating the Sabbath. He's connecting the law and the priests underneath the temple system. Okay? They are part of the temple system, the law and the priesthood. Making sense? And then he says, something greater than that temple, something greater than that temple system is here. And a little clue, he's talking about himself. So Jesus is saying he is greater than the temple. 
and everything that's in that temple, the temple system, the priesthood, the law. So these are the things that are inside that temple system. Next slide. Uh, Is there another one? Might have to go back. Yep, that's the one. So the temple itself, the law or the Mosaic covenant, and the priesthood of the Levites. All of this stuff is included when Jesus says something greater than the temple is here. And something greater is here. Now we start to get a clue of what Hebrews 7.12 means. Okay? The priesthood and the law are connected through the temple. But I'll say it again. Something greater is here. And Hebrews 3 says it another way. Let's go to Hebrews 3. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Okay, that's another way of saying something greater than the temple is here. And Jesus goes on to say, you see this temple... You see this temple system, okay? This temple is doomed. That's my play on words for the day, okay? Destroy it, and I'll rebuild it in three days. That's what he said. It's a bad joke, but I hope you'll remember. It'll make you remember. So then we get to this guy called Melchizedek. Who is Melchizedek? All right, now I'm going to lay it out simply, and then I'll kind of explain it. So I hope you get this, okay? Because Melchizedek can be a kind of mysterious kind of figure. All right, Melchizedek was a priest, or a priesthood, or an order of priests, Okay, before the temple, before the priests in the temple were working, before the Levites were working. Okay, so without getting in depth, Melchizedek was a title that was passed along, okay, to the oldest male heir. Just like when Queen Elizabeth died, the crown got passed along to King Charles. Okay, Melchizedek is an order. And this is where I'll need some help, okay, to kind of explain it to you. So, I'm going to need some volunteers. Okay. Anyone want to volunteer? (laughs) All right. Amos, why don't you come out first? All right. So Amos is going to represent Levi, or the Levites and the priesthood. So come over here. You can stand right here. Okay, now, you're a priest in the order of Moses. And you can... No, you don't need that. All right. So... Aaron, okay, was the high priest, and Aaron's son was called Levite. And the Levites were in charge of administering in the temple under Moses. Make sense? Okay. 
So we need a Moses. Anyone want to be a Moses? Come on, Isaac, you can be Moses. All right, now, Levi, you, you can stand up on the stage now. Okay, so you can be Moses. Okay, and you can hold that for the moment. I'll explain it in a minute. All right, so we have Moses and Levi, okay, and the people of Moses is represented in Moses, okay, and Moses had the two tablets of the law, okay, so he was in the priesthood, Levi and Moses are connected, all right, making sense? Yes, no, all right, now, God, before the law, before Moses, before Levi even existed, he had made a previous covenant under another guy. Anyone know who that guy is? Abraham. So I need an Abraham. Ethan, come on, you can be Abraham. All right, so you can be Abraham. All right, you stand here. All right, and... You can, that's for you. All right. So before Moses, before, Abra- before the law even existed, okay, we had this guy called Abraham. But how was Abraham made righteous? Because there was no law. He believed in God, and that was his credit to being righteousness, to him as righteousness. Abraham's faith... Okay, Abraham had faith. He didn't need to follow the law. The Ten Commandments, the the Deuteronomy law, everything like that didn't exist yet. Okay, and then there was a priest, and there was this guy called Melchizedek. So I need a Melchizedek. Yeah, come on, Sean. You can be Melchizedek. All right, so Melchizedek is a priest. Yep, and you can have bread and wine. (laughs) Okay, so Melchizedek is the order of priests when Abraham existed. Okay, and Levi, okay, was the order of priests when Moses and the people existed. Now, let's get back to our Hebrew 7 verse. No, it's should be there somewhere. When the priesthood changes, the, what's going to change? The law changes as well. Okay, so you see what's going on? Abraham is under faith, his priesthood of Melchizedek. The priesthood changes to Levite at Mount Sinai when Moses comes and the law changes as well. But then we get with the question, which he's kind of jumped ahead, who is greater? Which is the greater priesthood? Now, when you tithe, okay, you're giving to something greater, right? We'll read Hebrews 7 in a minute. So basically, Levi, uh, sorry, Moses and the people of Moses would tithe up to the priesthood and the priest would bless down. Tithe goes up, blessing comes down. Make sense? So this is this tithe. 
So give your tithe up to Levi and you bless him. Abraham tithed up to Melchizedek. Okay? And Melchizedek brings out bread and wine and blesses Abraham. Got the picture? So the people of Moses, okay, collect the tithe and give to the Levites. Abraham meets Melchizedek, who is greater than Abraham. Okay, so, but all these people don't exist yet. Okay, but they are descendants of whom? Before that, Abraham. So they are effectively inside Abraham's body. Make sense? Okay. They're his descendants. They're his lineage. So effectively what Hebrews goes on and says is in Abraham tithing up to Melchizedek, these guys effectively tithe up as well. Are you with me? Okay. So Melchizedek is a greater priestly order than the Levitical priestly order. Tithes go up, blessing comes down. Because they were the children of Abraham, in his body, he was tithing up to Melchizedek. I really hope that makes sense. Okay, I'm getting a lot of blank looks. All right, thanks guys. Just leave everything down there for a sec. All right, so when we understand that, that Melchizedek is a greater priest. And when the priest changes, so must the law. Okay. Now let's look at Hebrews 7. Melchizedek was the king of Salem and priest of God most high. He met Abraham running from, returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. The name Melchizedek means king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, which means king of peace. So Salem is a precursor to the word Jeru, Salem, Jerusalem, just so you know. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life resembling the Son of God. Okay, now that can be kind of mysterious verse, looking there, but basically he's saying it's a priesthood. Melchizedek may not be one single priest. It just is a priesthood that gets passed on from person to person. It's his title. Just think how great he, Melchizedek, was, because even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. The law requires that the descendants of Eli, the people of Moses, who become priests, collect a tenth from the people. That is their fellow Israelites. Even though they are also descended from Abraham. This man, however, Melchizedek, does not trace his descent from Levi. Yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and he blessed him. And without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In one case, 
Uh, the tenth is collected by people who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham or through his body as his descendants. Because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in his body of his ancestor. Okay, now I'm going to explain this once more, okay, using some timelines. So we go to the next slide, uh, the next one, timelines. So we've got this timeline, all right? So Abraham comes along. You can just click anywhere. Yep. So this is Abraham, okay? He comes along and he meets this guy, Melchizedek, who brings out bread and wine. Okay, now this timeline is about 2000 BC. All right? So a long time before the law. So he brings out bread and wine. What, what is that kind of picture in your mind? Communion. Yeah, very good. All right. So that lasts for about, that's about 600 years before Moses. Okay. Then about 1400, 1350, they reckon, Moses comes along and meets God at Mount Sinai. Okay. Moses comes along. Just keep clicking through. Hopefully it'll catch up. The priesthood comes along and they look after the new temple that God gets instructions for. And that lasts about 1,400 years, okay, until we get to 30 AD, which is about the time of Jesus. Okay? So that's the law, when the law gets given, but before the law was given, um, there's about 600 years. So continuing reading Hebrews 7... If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron or Levi. So Aaron is a priest in the Levite order. Okay, If the law was the end goal, is kind of what he's saying. If the Mosaic law was the end goal, why did another priest appear in the order of Melchizedek? For when the priesthood is changed, so must the law. This is our treasure verse. Okay? The priesthood changes, so must the law. Now it goes on to talk about Jesus. He of whom these things are said, Jesus, belonged to a different tribe, not from a tribe that served at the altar. For it is clear that Jesus, our Lord, descended from the tribe of Judah. And in regards to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. Okay, so Jesus, he never served in the temple any of the days of his life, okay, because he was not a priest in the order of Levi. What they're saying here is he was a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And it goes on and says that. And what we have said is even more clear. If another priest, 
like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest, not on the basis of his regulation to his ancestry, but on the basis of power of an indestructible life. For it is declared in the Psalms, Psalm 110, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus is a priest in the order of Melchizedek. This is a quote from Psalm 110. You can go look it up. When the Father is talking to the Son, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until, and I have made you a priest in the order of Melchizedek, because you are a priest that lives forever. You see, the Levites were only allowed to be a priest for 20 years, but from the age of 30 to 50. And this is saying that there's something greater than the temple is here. He is a priest forever. And to have a forever priest, you need someone that lives forever. Then it goes on and says, So, the former regulation is set aside. The law is set aside. The law made nothing perfect because it was weak and useless. And a better hope is introduced in which we may draw near to God. So Jesus arrives on the scene, never serving in the temple of Moses. He arises as a priest of Melchizedek and he brings out the bread and the wine, just like Melchizedek did. Very good. And he declares a new commandment. Because when the priesthood changes back to Melchizedek, the law must be changed. Something greater than the temple is here. Jesus changes the priesthood and now has changed the law to his new commandment. Now, which brings us back to one of our questions. What is the new law? Now, let's go to Matthew 22. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Why did I emphasize that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul, your mind. The first, this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus is being asked, what is the greatest law in the covenant of Moses? He is not being asked, what is his commandment? All the law, all the prophets hang on these two things. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Jesus is not saying this is the new covenant. Jesus is not saying this is the new commandment. He has been questioned about the greatest law under Moses. In fact, he's been tested by the priests there and challenged to see if he actually knows what it is. All the 613 laws, you know, all of those, and he basically quotes Deuteronomy 6 and says this is the greatest law that the prophets 
all hang on to. Now, why am I emphasizing this point? Because sometimes we think it is identical to his new commandment, but it's not. This is the summary of the old covenant law, okay? But something greater than the temple is here. Something greater than this law is here. So let's flip over to John 13. A new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. It's a very subtle difference. Because love your neighbor as you love yourself is conditional. You can define who your neighbor is for starters. You can define what love is. As you love yourself, love others. It's very conditional. But it was good for them to take them out of that place. Jesus now comes along and says, love everyone as I have loved you. It's a higher standard of love. Do you love yourself well? That's the difference. It's based on his love, not on your love. Your love is conditional. His love is unconditional. I hope that makes sense. It's subtle, but it's better. And it's not just one scripture in the New Testament. Okay, This is effectively the entire battle that's going on in the New Testament. Shall we follow the Old Covenant? Shall we follow the New Covenant? Do I need a list of rules to follow? Or do I listen to the Spirit that writes the rules on my heart? The boulder that rolled out of that temple, is that still rolling, chasing you down? Jesus has given us a new law and a new priesthood. Let's look at John 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. John 15, 17, this is my command, love each other. This is Jesus talking to them, saying this is his command. In 1 Corinthians 9, it says, it talks about I, Paul, am under Christ's law. You know, he was acting to the, um, to the people under the law as though he had the law. Okay, He was acting to those who didn't have the law, and they were like, it doesn't look like you've got any law. And he says, no, I am neither under these laws. I am under Christ's law, which is a superior law. Love one another as I have loved you. And he's also acknowledging there that there is a Christ's law. He has indeed changed the law. James, let's just flip to James, just for the sake of time. Just go ahead a uh, couple slides. Yep, James really nails it. If you keep the royal law found in Scripture, okay, so found in Scripture means he's talking about the Old Testament, for starters, because New Testament didn't exist then. Okay, the royal law, the old covenant, if you keep that royal law, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. When some version says you're doing fine, okay, you're doing okay. The law was good. There's no problem with that, all right? But if you show favoritism, you sin, and you are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. 
For whoever keeps the whole law, yet stumbles at one point, is guilty of breaking it all. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. And if you do not commit adultery... Can you flip back, please, Wayne? Thank you. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Therefore, okay... Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Not the old covenant law, the new covenant law of Christ. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. So what he's saying there, the royal law is referring to the old covenant law. And if you follow that, you'll do okay. All right, but there's something better. Okay? Because if you break that old covenant law, it ends in death. If you break the new covenant law, it's got mercy built into it. That's the difference. Follow the law of freedom. 1 John 3.11 For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. 1 John 3.23 And this is his command. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God com- God's command lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Galatians 6 also talks about carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And finally, 2 John 5. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. This is the new covenant command. I believe this is the treasure. Maybe you've heard all this. Maybe you know all this, okay? But maybe some of us still feel that that boulder is following us wherever we go. Okay? We have a good understanding, I believe, of God's grace and mercy. And let's add this to it. The law has changed. God wants us to be his little ambassadors to live under this new commandment and love as Christ loved. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. I believe he wants us to take a look at the world and see what he sees. People need his love and we are the ambassadors of that love. One simple law with mercy and grace built in. It is written on our hearts, not chiseled in stone. We have this tendency. We have this tendency to mix the covenants because we don't really understand where they start and where they finish. But know that the priesthood has changed. The law has changed. And that's it. That's the good news. That's why I love covenants. Okay? Now, there's a, this is a summary of all the scriptures I've, I've 
listed. I even skipped some of them, okay, for the sake of time. So if you want to take a photo of that, or I can give that to you later, you can do your own research. Now, I've kind of written a summary, uh, a statement summary, that I want, want to kind of pray over you, speak over you, to, hold, to kind of um, solidify this, solidify this. So why don't you stand with me? And I'll read this out, and then I'll pray. So Jesus stands up the night before the cross. He takes the bread, he takes the cup, and he says, this is a new covenant written in my blood. I am a priest in the order of Melchizedek. I am a priest that is going to die, be resurrected, and live forever. Therefore, this new covenant is a forever covenant, because I, Jesus, live forever. I now also change the law. I remember my promise to Abraham, who had faith. I am the son of Abraham. I am Abraham's seed that will fulfill the promise to Abraham. And that promise was to bless all nations. And my law is love one another as I have loved you. One law that is superior, something better than the temple is here. And if you follow this law, it will clear your conscience. It will enable you to tell me, tell people about me regardless of their background. And the evidence will show in your life because you love each other. And this is evidence that you will remain in me and I will remain in you. A superior message, something greater than the temple is here. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have made us the new temple. You left your Holy Spirit and you made it reside in us. And as Peter says, we are living stones that you are building into your temple. It's a spiritual temple, Holy Spirit. Reside in us. Fill us again. Fill your temple again as your people. Yeah, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that there is mercy, there is grace in your new law. And we thank you for the law of freedom. Lord, I pray that you'll teach us to love people the way you showed us. Not what we think is right, not what our version of love is.
Now I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit do what it does best. And minister to you guys. But if anyone needs prayer, anyone wants prayer for anything, please come out. Thank you all for coming today. Thank you for listening to me. I know it's a small group here, but thank you. Thanks, guys. Bless you guys. Thanks, Lisa.